Hello and welcome. You're listening to episode 9 of Tate, that's T-A-I-T, which is short for Talking About Immersive Theatre. In this podcast series, I chat to immersive theatre makers, practitioners, producers and performers about the work that they do and some of the processes that that involves in bringing it to you. Unfortunately, during the recording of this episode, there were actually some technical difficulties. So at about 30 minutes, about halfway through, it seems like the conversation jumps in an odd direction. And that's because we lost some of the recording. So unfortunately, there's not a lot I can do about that now. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of a warning. Enjoy. So uh, I'm here at the Centre for Performing Arts at the University of Portsmouth. Um, with collaborative performance maker Ruth Cross to talk about her performance work. Hello, Ruth. Hello. (laughs) Um, So you've worked as a producer, facilitator, performance maker, and in 2009 you established your company, Cross Collaborations. Can you tell us a bit more about your background and your training and how you kind of came about Mm. having that company? Yeah. So um, I... Well, from a really early age, I was doing dance and gymnastics and Mm -hmm. theatre with Playbox Theatre. So it's a kind of a youth theatre based in the Midlands. And and so I always loved performance. And they actually, uh, Stuart Gill, who is the director, had trained at Dartington. So I'd kind of heard of this place, Dartington College of Arts. And -hmm. um, and yeah, I went down, I, I grew up in Coventry. And um, and I'd so very kind of in the city, yeah. and I'd gone down to Dartington and just sort of explored this incredibly idyllic, beautiful countryside, and yeah. um, and fell in love with the place, and um, yeah, and went there to do choreography and theatre practices, um, and I didn't do so much so much dance. I was more interested in how the audience experiences the work. Mm-hmm. So right from the very beginning, I kind of became fascinated by, um, by, by the experience and by how to navigate or guide um, the audience through a, a performance. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so, so that kind of, that was seeded, I guess, while I was at Dartington. And that's something that I've been playing with since. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's one of the things that makes theatre very distinct I think from other forms is that that centrality of the liveness and the the staging of that disappearance in that moment mm. that for me always makes it really exciting mm. and whenever I've been involved in kind of filming it just doesn't have kind of that experientialness yeah. at the heart of it yeah. so yeah. for me no matter what else I've ever done it, it that's what brings me back to it is that moment of two two different bodies of people, yeah. whether it's one on one yeah. or one on a hundred, yeah. coming together in that moment together. And I think experience is what drives our discipline, but yeah. I think it's also what drives me as a practitioner and the same as you, it's mm. that fascination with what happens between yeah. people yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in this moment for real, right Absolutely. now. <laughs> yeah, there's something about the kind of energe- energetic, um, kind of chemical kind of physiological response that happens yeah. in the body when uh, when we experience something so I guess yeah. in a way all my now I'm, I'm working as a as a performance maker but also as an activist and also as a change maker and so I guess 
for me, it's n none of these forms are separate in a way. Mm -hmm. And my question is still the same, depending on which avenue I'm kind of working in, yeah. um, which is looking at kind of, yeah, what are the factors that allow us to feel change? Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do we experience how do we experience change? So whether that's building a movement of people to go about making a more systemic change, I think it still comes back to the inner, yeah. the inner sensations of what's happening within us. Mm -hmm. And whether that's making a one-on-one -on -one performance, then it's all about the kind of sense of how do we create an experience where the where the audience feels physically transformed through yeah. their experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think so that kind of liminality really does sit at the heart, especially of anything which might be site specific, immersive, interactive, participative, all of those things yeah. has that radical sort of potential that you kind of feel tingling in, in your skin yeah. on this kind of work. And that, that's yeah. what excites yeah, me yeah. as an audience goer, but as a maker as well, yeah. it's the possibility of transformation absolutely which is exciting yeah um, you mentioned actually which leads very nicely into my next question um you have described yourself on your website as an arts activist and i was wondering if you could explain to the listeners a little bit more about what that might mean mm, <laughs> sure um i guess it's a term that i use and then drop uh mm. depending on um well as i'm as i'm evolving and as uh my understanding is changing but there's something about it, it was it seemed uh well, and it seems a very kind of um apt way to bring about the the kind of um a resonance of these two parts of my life mm -hmm. so one being uh, yeah as a performance maker and as an artist um and then i guess the the well and the other is is working uh within social change yeah. and there's, there's a kind of bridge between them which is the work that i've been doing with communities so yeah. um yeah and even I guess there's something of my my art practice or looking at the art of invitation. What mm -hmm. is it to kind of to look at empowerment or engagement um, yeah. that when I'm working as a as a facilitator or um, or within kind of reimagining activism, which is the type of work that I'm that I'm interested in my art practice and how to invite people to to participate is it's the same kind yeah. of thing so um so yeah an an arts activist or artivism or there's there's kind of these terms that uh sometimes i feel s sort of i strongly relate to and sometimes i don't and sometimes yeah. like even the word activist is very uh <coughs> Well, they have cultural baggage, don't they? That's it, yeah. And this is the other it. thing. So sometimes I guess the cultural baggage feels like the weight is right for you. And yeah. then other times, like, you need to yeah. put it down yeah. for a while. And yeah. I think I, I struggle with this too. It's this idea of, especially when people ask, what do you do? <laughs> and you're like, okay. Uh, so trying to find the right word to describe these things becomes almost impossible. You're like, well, I'm not a director and I'm not a facilitator. And I, I guess I'm a performance maker, but I'm a scholar too. Yeah. So there's yeah. all these kind of, hats different hats of effectively Absolutely. and bags that you pick up yeah. all the time yeah. but they're dynamic you're, yeah. you're never kind of fixed but I think like you it's the same as it comes down to that transformational quality of engaging in any of those kind of roles mm -hmm. within theatre practice or, or performance making yeah um, but also it's this idea of the invitation and you're always making an invitation and how do you how do you do that and what are the implications mm. of making that invitation yeah yeah so I th yeah, I th and I think um, especially in the kind of area that we're working at the moment, there's so much focus on 
immersion has this kind of like all-encompassing term to talk about all this different kind of work. And actually, I think there's a lot more subtleties mm. going on within there. And I just find some of these big terms, like activism is the same, isn't it? Yeah. It has this yeah, huge yeah. cultural baggage. Yeah. And in some ways, it, it's slightly terrifying and homogenizing yeah, yeah, all yeah. at the same time. So Yeah, <laughs> I've just come from last week. I was, um, I was in Newcastle um, facilitating three uh, day workshops in a festival called the Hidden Civil War mm -hmm. and uh, a purposely very provocative title. Mm. Um, and it was interesting because some of the people that were coming to the workshops were saying, and we always, I mean, I'm really interested in participation. So we always open with, with a circle and we have a thing that we call a check-in so that we can start to really uh, meet and, and and feel, see the people that we are in the space with. So it's not that we're trying to impart information, it's that we're trying to share and co-create a space together. Yeah. And um, and lots of people were saying, I don't identify as an activist, I'm not an activist. And then would go on to say all of this amazing work that they're doing or they're involved in, yeah. groups that they're working with. Um, and yeah there's something about that it is there's something about this sort of terminology that almost um it it kind of paralyzes some yeah. people and then i think sometimes it's like why do we see why do we need to categorize really so much exactly. and just throw it away so and actually yeah and i think there's loads of terms that, that have that kind of issue in terms of and also i think a lot of them are to do with where they come out of in our terms of our his history as well because yeah. activism is so located in that kind of 60s and 70s i think cultural recognition yeah. of it and there was a an aggression that came with it Absolutely. in that moment mm. and i think maybe that's one of the things that kind of alienates mm. and i think a lot of the terms even the term immersion for me has that kind of very similar it's located very specifically in a very particular moment and beyond that can be alienating mm. i think to people and mm. i think activism is very much one yeah. of those yeah terms that yeah. frighten some people and participation actually is, is also yeah the mo loads of people to say i hate anything where i have to yeah. participate and it's because they have this i think a very fixed idea of some of the very aggressive practices that happened in the 70s um that stick in the cultural memory so they're like i'm not doing that i'm yeah. not going to be forced to take my clothes off or forced to do any of these horrendous some of the horrendous totally. ethically yeah. challenging things really, that happened really ethically challenging yeah 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 historically so i think we're always battling especially in the work we do how do you make that invitation that doesn't bypass those things because you can't but cuts mm, through them mm, mm, in a yeah. way that extends a genuine invitation rather than bringing all of this terrifying yeah <laughs> i'm gonna make you do something yeah, with yeah, it. yeah that leads me to my next question which um ethics are clearly very much a central driving force uh of the work that you make and an interest in social responsibility as well is this what informs that approach to participation that sits across all of the different kinds of work that you mm. make, would you say? Yeah. Um, just think how I can explain this. So I'm, I'm really, um, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by what it is to collectively make sense of the world that we're, that we're living in. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think there's, there's a certain approach to that, which is, as I was saying before, sit, sitting in a circle with people and hearing from everyone. Mm -hmm. And actually, in terms of, it, it, it is quite a radical form of politics, in yeah, a way. Yeah, like, absolutely. when we look at the, the idea of polis, like, what it is to uh, 
to make decisions based on based on everybody in the space mm. and so again um another tricky term but inclusion which i'll just use now and there's many other words that <laughs> no, i could absolutely, use but absolutely. <laughs> for one of continuing to uh yeah there's there's something about how is it possible or and is it possible to really acknowledge the diversity the margins and the the kind of mainstream cultures that are happening yeah. in any space and um and to to really see like permaculture has a beautiful term that the fertile uh the fertile space on the edge mm -hmm. it, and that, that space is always has the uh is is the richest and um the edges are kind of where the the mainstream culture and the, the marginalized cultures um kind of cross over yeah. and there's something of really i'm i'm interested in the in the what happens in that space within a community yeah. within a performance within a garden mm -hmm. within yeah and so coming back to the idea of participation and what drives my work there's something there's something around really uh yeah seeing and meeting each each mm -hmm. person who's contributing um and and inviting people to to share in the form that they feel able yeah and and that that kind of becomes the the collective whole whereas it, it's very different so it's i i guess it's kind of an experiential way of describing direct democracy. Absolutely. In a way. Yeah, and I think um, in some ways it's even more complex than that, isn't it? Because democracy, and, and lots of theories talk about this as well, don't they? Work mm. since the kind of the 60s and 70s mm. has been democratized in terms of process and practice. Absolutely. But actually that relies in some respect on majority and actually that it's, it's more complex. It's much more subtle. Much more yeah, subtle, yeah. much more complex yeah. than that. And a lot of this, the kind of work, especially the kind of work you make within this field, it's, it's much more about collaboration and democracy mm -hmm. in that way yeah it's true and um that's why we um we try not to well i don't use the word direct democracy but mm. it, it but because no, i, I think exactly collaboration I mean, yeah. has has more power but then also collaboration um happens between yeah, I guess it's like <laughs> it's when you when you think about we 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 use the term radical collaboration, yes. which kind of um, which looks at like really exploring the human value yeah. of 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 each person mm -hmm. as and looking at what can be collectively created yeah. as opposed to things that are, that are created that are excluding of another yes. another group. Well, I think that term as well has been co-opted as well um, with politics with a capital P, that idea of radical, but actually in the truest sense of the term, the kind of anthropological sense mm. of the term, anything which is transform transformative or has the potential to be transformative, which of course collaboration does, is radical in that sense of the word. So again, it has that kind of baggage attached to it, which has been sort of tainted in a way by its kind of cultural use. Mm. But actually, it's, it's something that's much more fundamental than mm. sort of just something pushing against something. It's that idea of transformation yeah. again. So yeah. it all kind of comes comes back to that idea of an invitation and the way in which collaboration can achieve transformation Absolutely. so yeah 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 I think that's something and that's why I think it's something that's very powerful because mm. people ask all the time why do you think there's such an appetite for immersive performance yeah and I think maybe maybe that's actually why is the root of it is this idea of a genuine connection yeah. and maybe a genuine collaboration and participation yeah yeah I think there's yeah, it's something that um, 
that many kind of practices that I've been involved in from um, from kind of uh, Buddhism through to um, different yeah well I'm just trying to think like there's many uh, forms of of ways that we try to seek a sense of like genuine connection yeah and um, and I think our society has so many kind of very fractured ways of 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 gratifying that sense of that deeper connection yeah and so there's something there's something that happens in a in an immersive environment where somebody feels a sense of of genuine um yeah a genuine respect or genuine need yeah. genuine like yeah. the, the performance wouldn't happen if they weren't there for example particularly exactly. in micro performance or one-on-one or yes, immersive stuff which is but, terrifying but yeah <laughs> you know and and uh, yeah i mean it is terrifying but then it also means that you're valid and you're valued and exactly. you're showing up and you're being yeah. you as you as a human living in this moment are important and you're here yeah and then we're all insignificant in the kind of wider sweep of things. And there's a risk for both, isn't there? And I think maybe that's where it's really shifted away from a lot of the kind of historical practices that this has come out of, is the idea, especially in one-on-one and micro-performances, because if you're not there and they're not there, if you're both not there in that moment together, mm. there isn't yeah. anything. Yeah. And I'm really interested, I was talking about Buddhism a second ago, but there's something about the practice of presence mm. and presencing um, that... Uh, when, I mean, all, may, all actors, I would say, have to have that, whether that on, on yeah. stage, uh, projecting to <coughs> an audience. Um, but there's something, there's something that's, that shifts when, not only just when the fourth wall's gone, but when, yeah. when, there's, no, when there's no stage and there's no audience and there's no chair and, and you're just two people or more people yeah. sat. And there's something about the honesty of the presence and yes. the aliveness of that connection. And often no fictive constructs either yeah. in this kind of work so yeah. all of those things fall away and it is essentially then just two or three people or a small group of people in that moment together mm. which for me is exciting and terrifying and the risk involved is becomes the value then mm. and mm. what becomes the value then is you choosing to engage yeah. in that moment and in that risk and it comes back to ethics which yeah. I think is really interesting like how um how like a, a question that comes up all the time, whether I'm facilitating a group or whether I'm making performance work, is how do I ensure that, or how do we as makers ensure that people are ready and willing to experience what they're going to experience? Yeah. And often you dilute uh, or numb the experience if you tell them what they will experience. Yes. So we're so <laughs> used so to, in, in life, we're so used to having like, um, you know, in teaching practice, you you tell someone what you're going to teach, you teach them. You say this is now what you're learning, and then you say this is what you've just learned. It's what you've just learned, and, absolutely. And it's you know it's very neatly packaged and it's very accessible, but we're very entitled as a culture as well, aren't we? We feel that we're entitled to value. Yeah, yeah. And part of that value is being told what you're going to get, and exactly. those expectations being met. Mm-hmm. And so, you, and also the other thing is, is pragmatically as well when you're trying to put this work in places, trying to explain and find a way of getting those people to come in to have that moment as well without disrupting or destroying or uh, unpacking the possibility of having that moment as Mm. well is really, I find Mm. that the most challenging Mm -hmm. thing is 
how do you describe this to people persuade people that they might want to come and enjoy it without mm. Mm. destroying the possibility of that transformational moment yeah. by preempting it yeah yeah or meeting their expectations mm, mm, mm. Yeah. in a way that negates risk yeah 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 <laughs> and it, I, I i guess you know there's something that we were exploring in Meridian, the piece mm. that you came to see at the Battersea Art Centre, um, was really uh, the three of us, Billy Beckley and Anna B. Daly and myself, who were working on the performance, we really uh, spent a lot of time in, in our R&D looking at how to be um, as, how to be as receptive as possible to, to, the, perform to the audience member. Mm. So how, how do we set an invitation and then get a response f verbally from, from the person that, mm. they're that, that they're able to step into the first, you know, the first layer the first and then up. through, <coughs> through contact with that person, because it's, it's kind of guide, partly guided the experience, mm -hmm. um, being able to really be receptive to the, to touch and to sense their, their level of relaxing into mm. the experience or um, coming away from the experience yeah. and these are subtle and then the ethics involved are still um, yeah still very yeah they're just they're very they're very subtle and there's there's lots of questions around mm. it and um, and so there's something that we would always put in place like if at any point you feel uncomfortable put your hand up, your hand up yeah. because there's something about even verbalizing I'm feeling uncomfortable when you don't it, it, you know even that is quite quite something maybe yes. for someone yeah. who doesn't feel comfortable yes. <laughs> so putting yes, your exactly. hand up is quite a kind of <laughs> yeah we found that that was the most easy and then to to not create any the, the way that we make work there's no right or wrong with the experience so whatever the experience is is what's happening is for that it? person yeah. and so it's not to create any shame or disappointment but just to to allow that person to kind of move into the next experience that yeah. feels safer for them or feels more appropriate or so yeah which is so it really trying to enable and to create uh to empower the the yeah. the, the, the audience to well it's it's feel. interesting because one of the ones that i mean i've been to because it's what i research and i go to as much as i possibly can and meridian really has stuck with mm. me and for two kind of reasons. One, I felt genuinely cared for mm. in a way that I never have in any other kind of immersive experience or participative or whatever we want to call them experience ever. Mm. And the second thing was my complete inability to recognize soil on my naked skin. And I don't know why, it, it still bothers me now, just the idea that I couldn't, I just couldn't place what I was stepping on hmm. and that was astonishing to me that something such a simple thing such a simple connection such a simple sensation that you would assume you knew yeah. I didn't yeah and it really it, it stuck with me I mean it was uh, quite a while ago now as well that yeah. I encountered that but it was the care that was involved in that and I felt I've never felt so cared for mm -hmm. in a situation like that when there's a lot of risk involved because you know you're blindfolded and you are entirely mm kind of you, you lay your hands you put yourself into the performer's hands in, in a in a way I mean I'm very comfortable doing it because I'm I go to a lot of these things yeah. so I'm always quite happy to take that initial risk but I really genuinely felt I got the opportunity to 
relax into it in a way that I maybe haven't in other things. So mm. I thought that was really lovely and it really made me think about the difference between duty of care and duty to care mm-hmm. and what the distinction between that yeah. might mean ethically. Yeah, yeah. And this just this idea of that I, I hadn't I didn't recognise soil on the soles of my feet. Which I, did, I know it yeah. really bothered me. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm so, I grew up in the countryside yeah. as well. I'm like, how do I not know yeah. sand? I'd have known immediately. I'm, I, I grew up near the sea. I lived in Devon for a long time, and the beach is something I know between my toes. Mm. But how did I not know mm. that it was soil? Because all the way through, I was just thinking, I, I know this, but I don't know this. And of course, you're confused because there's other smells, and yeah. I can smell orange and yeah. other things too. So then, when it's revealed that it's, like, I was like. How? <laughs> How does my body not know that? Yeah. How is that not something familiar to it's, my skin? I mean, wow, that's really, yeah, it's very interesting. The, um, yeah, there was a few things as we were researching um, around soil and the body. And um, uh, one, one story that, I, that was passed down through, through generations of indigenous culture in... Um, Aboriginal indigenous culture um, is that on the soles of our feet we have receptors that can that can engage in the chemical the 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 chemicals that are in the soil and through our and also the soil can can receive the chemicals that are in our bodies oh. and so the soil that uh, the mycelium in the soil can t- can does um, can generate the plants mm-hmm. that contain the the kind of minerals and compounds that the people the tribes as they're as they're moving through need to eat yeah. to to stay uh, in a healthy balance and there was something about how disconnected we in our modern culture mm. we've become mm. from from the natural world and Absolutely. from well. Yeah, I'm in in my in my sort of activism work. That there's a lot around nature connection, and yeah. um, and in the in the residency that we run with the rollers in the summer, it's based in the Pyrenees, and we do it's yeah. So in in Spain, it, we're in a house in the top of the mountains, and yeah. we do a lot of adventure and work outdoors. Uh, we invite people to go on solo days and solo evenings sometimes, where they spend all night on their own. Oh, wow. under the stars uh-huh. and uh and we we walk slowly and we encourage people to take their shoes and socks off and to mm-hmm. to really experience what that is yeah um but of course to to then uh create a, um an environment in uh in in the BAC for example it's one of the places that we that Absolutely. we showed that's where I uh, experienced um, it at the BAC uh, where there's soil on the floor and and it's it's in a kind of contrived environment in a way it's um yeah it's kind of that offer or it's that sense of the natural world but still it's kind of um it just perturbed me yeah (laughs) that's something that kind of stuck with me and came and really that I've really held on to from that experience and the the heat as well I thought the heat Mm. was just it was just it was a very it was one of my favorite experiences Mm. that I've had Mm. in terms of kind of a small micro performance and I felt very cared for the other thing that um it kind of raised for me as well is think about what we're talking about a little bit earlier is training you know you said you know from people's bodies and I teach a unit on this to my students Mm -hmm. and one of the things they always ask is how do you know how how to do this 
and it's really hard to pass that on because it is about experience, mm -hmm. but it's about an attitude and a way of caring mm -hmm. to and for people and an, and an ethics of yeah, approach yeah. and something you learn how to yeah. kind of read the body, you learn how to read Absolutely. people yeah. in that way yeah, and yeah. to try to either challenge those behaviours or try to support them. Mm. And that I think is going to be a big challenge moving forwards is when people want to start to train performers potentially to operate within these kinds mm. of modes of mm. performance. Mm. But um, I don't think it can be taught like naturalism. I don't think think it can yeah, operate that yeah, way. Yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts yeah, on that. Yeah, I, th I mean, it is, it is very interesting because, um, because it, it, you're absolutely right. It's not just, um, okay, so you place your hands on the back and then you lie the person down. <laughs> There's thousands of things that are happening, yeah. the information that's sharing between. Absolutely. And um, so I trained, as, I trained uh, for a year in Shiatsu. So mm -hmm. I, I have... Um, the kind of experience of of working with um, yeah working with touch in a really caring way mm -hmm. and that was something that was it was a direct influence into creating yeah. this piece yeah. um, taking it out of a kind of massage or therapy context but still keeping that sensitivity yeah. um, and we we did a lot of um, of practice and training we had many every during r and d we had several people in just to feel different people's energies so yeah. also we were working a lot with that kind of um the energetic the subtle energetic responses mm -hmm. um and and often and and then also getting a lot of feedback from people how did it feel did you feel comfortable can we try that again and just see yeah, how it feels yeah. to sit you down or how how would you like to be invited? How does it feel most comfortable for you? And sometimes people's responses are different. And of course. Uh, yeah, and how delightfully, <laughs> delightfully so. <laughs> exactly. That people's exactly. responses are different. Exactly. And, um, and so we just, the, there's not a rule book. I think that's the thing. That, and yeah. that's why it's so exciting because each and every one of the times that we've created Meridian, it's been, it's been different. And there's something about the liveness of that response um, yeah it's kind of it's like really slowing down all of the all of the exchanges that are happening in body language and um and in really being able to feel if the muscles are relaxing or not in in the person and i think yeah. there's a lot that happens in the body our bodies are incredibly intelligent i know <laughs> there's a lot that's <laughs> happening in our body that the that the person's mind can't read can't pick up on yet yeah so yeah. it's kind of there's something about connecting at a, at a deeper level um, that I find that I find very, very appealing to to kind of cut through the words. Like we've just yeah, had this problem yeah. with what is it to 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 put these words in, yeah. and sometimes it's clunky and a word is understood in so many ways. But when you're working from uh, yeah More human to human yeah. in a really kinesthetic way, you're you're able to to read. Um, and to communicate mm. in, a, in a much more subtle... Um, and it's not just a toolkit, is it? And I find I am interested and in I make the work I make, and you're, you're exactly the same in, from what we've talked about, is that how do you teach someone to have the, thing, the passions and the cares and the experience... Because it comes from experience. Mm. I think making this kind of work and starting to understand other bodies and how you pull an invitation, how you offer mm. an invitation, mm. how you fulfil an invitation... Yeah. 
it's, it's, it's an amalgamation of, of everything I've ever known and learned and come to. Of course. Because yeah. of what drives me to Ken, I, I am not quite sure yet how you might mm. potentially, for example, go about doing a university course. Yeah. Where yeah. you might teach these things. Yeah. Because I think you have to have that initial sort of care and ethical mm. consideration that underpins approaching this yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. But it won't, like you said, it won't be like that forever. We're currently in that fertile ground at the margins. At some point, well, already it's happening, that's going to pull to the centre and you'll be able to go to the West End and pay loads of money mm-hmm. and this will be commercialised because mm. that's what always yeah, happens. What and happens. as soon as that happens, there will be courses where you can learn yeah. how to be yeah. an immersive yeah, 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 yeah. performer yeah. or actor. And that, that in some ways frightens me a little bit yeah because i know that i can't at the moment articulate how how do you learn how to do this because mm. i don't know i just do it because of all the things that drive yeah, me yeah yeah and interest me and all the experiences that i've had and also exactly like you said it's try, trial and error trial and error and it's it's a, it's invisible yes, like i guess yeah. that's the thing it's what is happening is you know through through years of meditating through years of doing tai chi through years of really like <coughs> qigong through feeling um yeah going to well practicing as a performance maker going to see going thousands <laughs> and thousands of immersive performances Absolutely. like um yeah and also for me a really a kind of a, a really strong um teacher is is nature itself is actually mm-hmm. looking at the design of of the natural world of nature going going for walks um, looking for hours at a leaf <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. there's uh, a practice called radical amazement where you kind of look at a vegetable as you cut it and or look at a leaf or look at the kind of fractal patterns that are happening mm-hmm. and there's something there's something um, yeah I spent a year at Schumacher College which mm-hmm. is in Devon actually on the same site as Dartington ah. but it's still there yeah. a kind of um, it's looking at holistic science and um, systemic thinking and mm-hmm. complexity. So I, I did a year where I was really kind of sinking into uh, what what are complex living systems? How how does that work? How can we try and move from the, the very rational way of mm-hmm. of understanding this kind of very transactional way of thinking about about life, which we've been in since the industrial revolution, well, pre, 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 pre actually. Yeah. Um, Feud- but pretty much since a feudal system, I guess, in, yeah. in some proto-capitalist yeah. sort of way. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And and how do we move from that, where it, where we would get this kind of very commercialised um, uh, kind of way of trying to commodify mm. these types of experiences, yeah. and um, and teach it in a in a kind of regimented tool yeah this is how you do this it. is how you do it a b c d yeah and how do we i guess within all of my all of my work actually is is looking at inviting ways of people experiencing complexity mm. um and to and when i facilitate as well we're talking a lot about kind of uh systemic thinking and and trying to offer games and and lived experiences that that allow people to to embody yeah, that a yeah, bit yeah. and it's kind of and that's yeah so in a way there are there are w- there are ways of 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 offering that but it it really that practice invites us to look at how the capitalism and the patriarchy and like mm-hmm. all of these things are within us and are playing out in our in Absolutely, ourselves yeah and i i think kind of yeah 
I've kind of gone to sort of like a, a meta level. But I think when when you're talking about how how does this, I mean, it, within this kind of uh, the the marginalised space of very kind of it, it feels that kind of like a little gift almost that we have at the moment Absolutely. as we're we're growing this kind of yeah, yeah. Um, this this kind of new field of immersive theatre. But when it when it becomes more uh, more of a commodity, yes. Or if it becomes more of a commodity, which I yeah I agree with you, it probably will. Mm. It's um, yeah the 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 way the way that that's doing is it's kind of look it's it's continuing the kind of exponential growth, which is it's kind of underpinning the way that we're living our lives. Yes, and I guess yeah. in a way, my work with this with this type of immersive work is looking at how to challenge a system that's that's mm -hmm. that's looking at exponential growth yes, so the, yeah. the fact that actually the kind of the the essence of what is what is trying to what we're trying to create in these experiences is is looking at degrowth it's looking at gift economy it's looking yeah. i mean it's it's never we were just having a conversation on the way in about when you're doing an immersive one-on-one -on -one piece you're i mean you don't you know, not many people get to see it because it's just right. one person at a time. Exactly. It's not, and it doesn't okay. work on, and that's perfect. <laughs> that's it's fine. Like, it's, it's, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you're talking about uh, the economic value mm. in, a, in a monetary way, then, then, we're, then we're back in the kind of... Um, but how do you place a value on experience? On the experience. And that, so that's really, I guess, the kind of crux of what I what I'm really interested in is yeah. like changing economic value from being something that's muddy, money money and driven, finance yeah. driven to looking at human value and human human Absolutely. experience. Um, I spend a lot of my time fighting, trying to explain. Okay, so we we were talking about um, heritage and everything, but um, yeah, so I think I think. Potentially, you're right. I think people have been doing this because people are people and people mm. need people. Yeah. I think that brings us back to one of the earlier things we were talking about, actually, which is why is there such a, an appetite for this? I think there's always been an appetite for kind of play mm. Mm. and for games. And yeah. actually, we're, we're allowed to do it less and less and less and less yeah. in this kind of consumerist sort of capitalist society that we live yeah. in. And I think that is this desire for human contact mm. um, in an age where we are more fragmented and alienated than ever I think before and the fact that we're not allowed to really play mm. once we're mm. adults mm. anymore yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean we're very fortunate we both work in a, in, a, in an area where play is exciting and very much invited and the heart really kind of, of, it of exactly our yeah. job <laughs> yeah 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 we're kind of even I mean as a lecturer at university in some respects I'm kind of paid to play yeah with ideas paid to to play so yeah. I'm very very fortunate and I know that I have kind of that sort of privilege in my life which I feel very very thankful for mm, 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 mm. <laughs> so I wanted to kind of um bring us back to sort of the beginning and sort of take a a journey through your previous works if yeah. that's okay yeah, yeah um actually from what I could tell one of your first early pieces of work was um something you began um at the Barbican in Plymouth, which is really funny because my first piece of work was on <laughs> the Barbican in Plymouth. When I saw that, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, all of these, actually everyone I've spoken to, everything seems to come back to Battersea. Everything comes back to Dartington. Yeah, yeah. All of these things have these kind of little, little moments of confluence. So, yes. and so I'm like, wow, this is yeah, very yeah. exciting and interesting. And I think it's high time 
uh, and a PhD student started to potentially maybe trace these cultural mm. Uh, mm. lineages yeah. of this kind of work back to these little sites, I think, yeah. where yeah, yeah. bubbling out of. But I'm digressing now. <laughs> so uh, in 2009, you started a social letter project um, called Post Present Future that has been ongoing, am I right, uh, even now. Yeah. Um, I actually took part in it and I got my letter earlier this year oh fantastic so um I opened it and I read it and everything and because uh-huh. I had completely forgotten and when it, my mum because it went to my parents address I always put everything to my parents address because yeah. I move around yeah. but um my mum said oh this came for you I was like she's it like it's like your writing <laughs> <laughs> she was like I don't know what it is and I was like no I'm not sure I was like because sometimes I do other things like this too and then when I opened it I was like oh my god and so wow, um brilliant I was thinking of recording it and putting it as a PS afterwards uh-huh. so you can have a listen to what I wrote in my letter. Yeah, <laughs> to myself. I would love that. And I took loads of pictures and stuff yeah. as I was opening yeah, and everything yeah, yeah. as well. But um, I wanted you to talk a little bit about that yeah. project. So it was called Post Present Future, and it began right at the beginning. It began, right? at the right beginning. At the beginning. Yeah. began at the beginning. It began at the beginning. It did begin at the beginning, and um, I'd love to talk about it actually because um, it's kind of re-emerged in, although it's constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing it for seven years. Um, but it's this summer it re-emerged in a really beautiful way um, so I'll move on to that in a minute but I'll explain what it is first um, so the, it began I bought uh, I was at a um, a kind of old uh, vintage kind of market and I bought a writing bureau and it was £50 and I managed to I, I just said very confidently to the guy I'm going to pay you £10 for that and he looked at me and I kind of like that's a ridiculous discount. <laughs> and he said, okay. And so I bought this incredibly beautiful oh. old writing bureau with like a, a red kind of leather I top. think it was there at BAC yeah, when I yeah, wrote my I've letter. I've been carrying it around for many mm. years. And, um, and so, yeah, so this project grew and I've always been interested in the kind of, yeah, in, in people's understanding of where they're at in their life and their future and this sense of how we um, how we self-author our own lives. And mm. so this kind of play with um, with what, what it is to write our... to kind of invite ourselves to step into our potential, invite ourselves to step into our future. And, um, and so, yeah, this project emerged where I invited people to write a letter to themselves mm-hmm. and... Um, and in five years' time, I would post it back to them. And um, and for the first five years, it was brilliant because I didn't have to do any posting no, back. Exactly. So I was just collecting, collecting, <laughs> collecting, collecting. Being invited to all these brilliant places around Europe, to different theatre festivals, to events, to the Transition Network, um, mm-hmm. the first international Transition Network. So lots of people who are thinking already about the future, looking at post um fossil fuels and uh kind of zero carbon uh society yeah. and um and so there there's many letters of, from people from that conference which was also at the Battersea Arts Centre looking um in five years where they thought the world would be um and so yeah the the provocation was was to think about think about you and your life and have some time to to just sit with yourself and reflect on um, how things are for you. And yes. so it's kind of, it's like a, a, I see it as sort of a personal one-on-one performance in a way, mm. at, at all stages. So the moment that you're sat at the desk writing, yeah. um, 
and then and then five years on a letter arrives to your house or to your parents house yeah. or um and and then so you also you're you're sat there um with a with a mug of tea perhaps on yeah. your favorite armchair Absolutely. or you you've gone for a walk and uh you found a, a bench that you often sit at and and you're you're kind of reading this this thing that you wrote to your to yourself five years before and um and there's something about that that space people people so yeah maybe five five and a half thousand letters i've collected in total um wow and i'm two years into posting them back and still collecting more <laughs> so it's kind of this on i mean it's it's a lifelong project really it's a it's endless, a endless yeah, letter yeah yeah posting yeah. as well <laughs> do you have a system in place i have a system posting? yeah otherwise i'd go a bit <laughs> mad yeah i have i have support and uh lots of lots of people getting involved um thankfully and um yeah along the way i've been making performances or sharings or doing readings um, of the the content of people's letters, wow. um, which has been a real a real delight, a kind of really interesting, yeah. really interesting way of kind of tapping into what's what's present in in society today. What are the concerns that people mm -hmm. have for their future and for for the the, the future at large? Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, this this summer in August, I was. Um, invited back to Théâtre Anzi, which is a, a festival, a citywide um, art festival in Ostend in Belgium. Okay. And five years ago, in 2011, I'd been there, um, yeah, collecting <coughs> letters. And, and the festival invited me back and they, they, they said, you know, we'd like you to do something we'd like you to do something big to kind of sh to share this yeah and I was thinking wow it's it's it doesn't invite something big no in a way that it's such an intimate it's about something small, small and intimate yeah so so I, I was collaborating um I invited my a dear friend of mine a filmmaker Isla to 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 come with me and um and we went and we knocked on the doors of the people five years on who'd written the letters five years to the day <laughs> And um, wow. and hand delivered their letters back to them. Oh wow! And um, and went into their homes and uh, if we were invited, which we were, um, overwhelmingly so, and wow. um, and offered a drink. And then we uh, we asked if people would like to read their letter and if they'd like to be filmed while they're reading their mm -hmm. letter. And so we 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 used film basically as a way of. Um, of capturing uh, the kind of intimacy and the delicacy of, of this kind of moment, mm -hmm. very emotional and yeah. highly charged often, wow. um, in someone's own home, which was, for me, I mean, the whole of this project has just been a performance piece for me, yeah, in a way. Exactly, I've had exactly. thousands of conversations with people. Um, and, and this was the first time in the, in the whole project that I'd heard people reading their letter out loud after after five years so we so we we had um the festival was over two weeks and uh the first sort of 10 days we were there filming mm -hmm. we filmed sort of 20 25 people um in their in their homes wow. and um and then had a few days to edit and uh, <laughs> and create this <laughs> film that had to premiere at the festival the, the final yeah. weekend <laughs> which was um yeah as you can imagine like yeah, brilliant yes. and uh, and quite kind of, yeah. Isla was incredible at trying to 
bring about the the quality of the individuals and also mm-hmm. the quality of the project in itself. Yeah. Um, and and now we have a twenty minute film of wow. of these people sharing. Yeah. Um, well, it's so interesting because as well as being that kind of intimate, beautiful uh, kind of performance of the self to the self mm-hmm. in a way, it also all of those things are. It's like a huge cultural document that documents the moment and the future. Yeah. And yeah. so, but of course they go back. So you are left effectively with nothing because they go back to the people that yeah. they came yeah. from. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it would be amazing to have those as like a huge yeah. volume, but then that takes away yeah. that personal. Yeah. So I love the idea of, of the film, but you couldn't possibly hand deliver. Hand deliver. <laughs> Every five and a half thousand letter. from all over the world and capture those things <laughs> yeah. so um but i think in terms of that i mean that's an incredibly huge kind of cultural documentation mm, project mm, just mm. in a way as well yeah, so yeah. i think that is and i love the fact that it's ongoing as yeah, well it's yeah yeah lovely <laughs> five years ago i was thinking when i began like wow this would be an incredible phd and then um absolutely and then and it, and it would and it, but my life has gone in so many different directions and there's yeah. something about um, with with this project kind of homing in on the experience and for me that's what I delight in it's, yeah. it's really being able to share that and they belong to someone else yeah that's well. yeah 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 and 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 being like I I I'm very like yeah quite quite keen to kind of um to tell people this is for you it's not something mm. that I'm doing for my for, for myself I for me the conversations with people is is the fascinating thing so already Absolutely. I've had a gift I've already received a lot from this project but even so just giving people a moment sometimes even just giving people that moment at the bureau the moment of mm. writing the letter in mm. itself is a permission that we don't often yeah. have in that way as well so yeah. you give us that gift of knowing ourselves mm. for a few moments and then we get the, that gift enriched even more when in five years time we get the chance to revisit that yeah. and to reflect yeah. on that yeah. and I think that is really lovely as well is that it's still an invitation mm. even though you're absent in some respects from that you're the facilitator yeah yeah of that moment and yeah. I think that's very beautiful and it was interesting the to really uh to f- to see in this five-year period the amount of changes that happened in people's lives mm. and what they expected and what they didn't expect and how they reacted to their to reading their own writing on this yeah. page and um it was incredibly emotional for a lot of people one woman's husband had died and they'd mm. it was it was so it was it was so significant the latter because he they scattered his his ashes at the at the point where the desk had been which just happened to be on his favorite pier where he went swimming wow. that so he wrote his letter and he said in his letter i hope to be in five years time i hope to be able to come here to the pier um and he was there oh God, in a way yeah. and so um and wow. and this woman is so strong wow it was really yeah exceptional so there's a sense of like meeting meeting these meeting these moments of of ourselves and actually we don't need to go out to seek an external performance but there's something yeah. about how in our own lives we can we can yeah just really mark those time I guess mm. that's what the letter does it's like it's just a <coughs> marking a tracking of time in our lives so that we yeah. can that we can yeah like a, a ritual uh, to to come back to ourselves in a in another way I miss that as well I think 
and that's my own personal nostalgia that I have a bureau too that I picked mm. up for mm. nobody secondhand and I refurbished it mm. it's full of all my writing things that I don't use anymore mm. and I've got all these beautiful writing papers and old-fashioned pens and um, when I was at university I used to write to my dearest friend we used to write to each other and send each other letters all the time and I don't do that anymore and I, I miss letter writing mm. and for me to get that letter mm. from myself from five years ago not only reminded me of kind of gave me that chance to think about all those things I had kind of in the letter itself the content but the act as well mm. and I kind of it was lovely to receive a letter mm. that wasn't a bank statement sure. or yeah. something yeah. that had just been printed out of a computer yeah. and there was something really beautiful about that social ritual which is definitely something that's being lost mm. I think that mm. art mm. of yeah Letter, letter writing, writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it used to be a real art, you know. Yeah. Authors, people used to want their the letters that they wrote to people, and I have huge, you know, huge collections of Sylvia Plath's letters yeah. and Oscar Wilde's letters yeah, and all yeah. these sorts of things. And of course, that's not going to happen anymore. I don't mm. think so. Mm. I love the idea that it's going to kind of persist. Yeah. With that yeah. kind of, in some ways, a, a ritual that's being lost mm -hmm. in our culture. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's time, isn't it? Because people used to take the time to write a letter mm, to each other mm. and to share a bit of themselves with someone else. Yeah. And um, it's very quick now to do that text, email, yeah. Snapchat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or yeah, the other exactly. many ways. And I think that's that's one thing why people are kind of, yeah, exactly what you've <coughs> just been describing is something why why people feel so enticed to engage. I mm. think that's why there's there's constantly interest in, in people writing. and um, Because it is so unusual it's so it's such a kind of a lost form and yeah I, I mean there's moments where that have kind of that have changed my life forever that I feel like I've been transformed yeah. um through this project and sitting at a, or inviting a, a 95 year old and a five-year-old to be sat next to each other just by chance having this conversation about what they were writing about when the five-year-old was writing to himself twice his age which is I something know. A, a brilliant concept of like twice the eight, twice the amount of time you've been on this life I'm going to receive this letter yeah. and the 95 year old's um, also partner had died and she wasn't sure if she was going to be alive in five years yeah. and um, and so just the fragility of, of, of time in a way yeah. and, and our experience of that and um, and yeah how 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 we share that and um, yeah and so there's something there's something around around that sense of um, of gifting ourselves the time just to just to check in and to, mm -hmm. to really be touched by yeah yeah by how time is passing and how we're experiencing our life because I think it is so it's so easy within this while you're texting everyone and we're emailing all the time that we that that years go by yes, and we're we we're reflecting in a way we have we have a reflective culture but not in a not in this kind of in a deeper no sense. no it's all very surface mm. in that respect and for me the one thing I never seem to have is time mm. and so for me time is always something I'm kind of chasing time is always something I'm trying to carve out mm -hmm. and so to receive something kind of from back in time in a moment when I took time was very wonderful and it was a surprise because I had forgotten as well that I had kind of done that mm -hmm. and then, so when it came but instantly then I remembered and all these things come back as well so it's like a double gift <laughs> you get in some ways too um, I was going to kind of go through all of the work but I don't want to keep you for too long so I wanted to um, obviously you've worked uh, at the Barbican we've talked a lot about the kind of the sort of micro one-on-one -on -one work 
And I know you've been involved in some sort of bigger immersive projects. Could mm. you talk about a couple of those? I know that yes. um, The Good Neighbour was something you did that was audio based, um, but The Polly in Falmouth, was that a much sort of bigger yeah. project which you did in 2013? Yeah, I think, wasn't yeah. It? So that was a project where um, it was actually the beginning of me. So I'd been working as a producer at Falmouth University mm. um, and um, and I and I gave I gave it up to try and re rediscover my my arts practice because I felt like through the teaching and through the producing work I was doing I wasn't really able to fully uh, experiment in ways that I'd wanted to Absolutely. and um, and so uh, the Poly which is a, a beautiful old building it was an, originally a polytechnic so this kind of place of <coughs> science and uh, mm -hmm. this uh, yeah and it had many phases throughout its history and is now a really uh, thriving theatre and cinema space in, in the heart of Falmouth. And I was lucky enough to live right opposite. And so oh, wow. um, <laughs> I, I made friends with the people there and could go in every Sunday um, and, and explore the history and the context of, of that space oh. with scientists and with artists. So oh. I invited people to come and to... Um, yeah, using yeah. So it was it was in a space of collaboration. So using all of our different practices um, to explore to explore the site, mm -hmm. and so we created um, over many many uh, months of meeting on Sundays an immersive performance that took people on a journey around the space, and we okay. had scientists and artists and performers, makers collaborating together. Um, so I worked as a as a kind of overseer facilitator and, and a director um and but but in a in a way that i didn't and with with a lot of the well, all of the work that i make without having a kind of an end that i'm working towards so really in that sense of yeah. not not just device theater but a device process actually yeah. when it's kind of starting to really invite people to to follow their own inquiry in well, it's a genuine laboratory mm. in kind of the truest sense yeah. of the word yeah. as well with all of these disciplines kind of coming together all of these different collaborations and especially to explore that site it's very much yeah. about being a laboratory yeah I guess. exactly and yeah you never know what's going to happen yeah when you do an experiment that's exactly. kind of the point if yeah. you do you wouldn't do it yeah <laughs> and the building lent itself so much to that it mm. had kind of not only in its 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 past use but also there was the kind of really dark uh, underground spaces with letters that had been written wow. from hundreds of years ago marking the conversations that had been happening between artists and makers and scientists and the, so the first uh, camera that was used in Falmouth was used at the Polytechnic that developed there wow. and then the first um, yeah there was a, a kind of graveyard behind that there'd been a prostitute uh, working in and um, they had some, I can't remember the exact story, but they came into the, the context um, of the building and, um, and also there was a brewery that was uh, operating at another point. <laughs> oh from, so there's all of these it's, rich stories yeah. that were kind of bubbling away and, and there in, in old dusty files that no one was looking at, underneath in this kind of archive that was completely unarchived in a sort of total <laughs> mess but perfect for us because we could go Absolutely, and just investigate yeah. and yeah so that I guess that what came out of that was the way of working which was really um looking at complexity theory in a way live so not having 
not having a, an end goal, really going with uncertainty, allowing spaciousness and, um, and not going in a linear narrative. And so the, the, the process and the performance that came from it were both kind of ex my first experiments into complexity in a kind of performance context. Well, that becomes a risk in itself, aside from the kind of what you end up with in terms of the experience that someone that you risk and they risk, actually that process is difficult within the current climate as mm. well in terms of funding, research, money, yeah, yeah, yeah. arts money, is to say, I'm, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's actually fine. That That's kind of the point. I yeah, don't know. I don't know. And that's that's exactly what I want to be Isn't in that, that space. Of like the very idea of exploration yeah. is, has always been driven by, yeah. I, I, I don't know, what if, let's, yeah. let's see. And I think that is being very carefully eroded mm. out of certain contexts which make it very challenging to do so even the process itself becomes mm. risky yeah yeah to just say okay we're going to get into this space with these this group of people and we're just gonna we're gonna play we're gonna play and see what happens yes. and really meet each other i guess the thing yeah. that i keep coming back to the sense of not not assuming or presuming what a scientist is and does and wants to bring and actually no, just really meeting that person and mm -hmm. the the, the way that they understand mm -hmm. the space and that takes time as well which is also another thing that absolutely yeah that's quite challenging and people don't have time there's not f funding to provide the time but I guess that this is this is where um, this sense of uh, social responsibility or my, my activism work comes in because I'm not um, I'm not willing to, to, to no. change those things I don't no. want to make a show that I understand that I know before I've made it because I feel no. like Actually, I'm not then doing the things that I feel. There's there's um there's kind of this this proverb that really rings true to me. That's the actual um the 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 way that change is happening isn't the uh, the protest or the action. It's actually the all of the or the piece of theatre, for example. It's the process that's gone in to yeah, making it. The absolutely. conversations that have happened. This conversation, for example, and the people that are listening to this conversation, and then how that kind of has this mm. huge ripple effect, and that for me, that's what I'm interested in, like the how, the quality of how I do mm -hmm. my actions on a daily basis, Absolutely. how I how I live uh, is is my is a performance and is also my artwork and is also my activism work. So exactly. everything being congruent, and um, and I think slowly, slowly, slowly. I, I hope that, and I'm starting to see examples of it, that funders and mm. and and kind of policymakers are starting to make changes and loosen the way that the yeah. way that things are. This idea of impact is becoming quite central to arts funding and to research mm. funding, and it, it's woolly at the moment. But I think that's potentially where we're going to get to mm. sort of expand, mm. like frost will kind of slide in gently and then. <laughs> push things out yeah. but um, I, and I think it's how ideology works it's exactly exactly that it's it's not through large moments of crisis it's actually through daily mm. practice mm. that's how ideas that's how beliefs and that's how ideologies change is actually just by people doing them yeah yeah over and over yeah. and spreading that and it's through daily practice and I think that's why in some respects I, the work that always happens at the edges the work that always mm. is even marginal in a marginal 
discipline are always the things that I think usually change me, transform me or touch me the most is because they're in a space where they can do that yeah. because they don't have some of the pressures Absolutely. that sit within that huge commercial sector because of course they do have those pressures they are driven to do those things yeah 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 absolutely i think there's something within so another part of my my work a role is project which Mm. is um that's what i was going to ask you to talk about i mean it kind of leads quite nicely on what you were just saying it's um so um so it's a a residency space um that we that we have every summer and um in in spain where we invite people to come and experiment and practice and share and co-create learning experiences for for each other and the first year we were focusing on um on climate mm-hmm. and climate change and climate justice and the second year so this year that we've in 2016 uh we've been focusing on borders and um and migration and uh, the borders that we have in us and and geographical borders and political borders. Um, and just sort of bringing it back to what you were just saying about um, there's, there's something around how policy is, is structured that, and in, within development work, so within aid and within, within development, that um, I've lost what I was going to say. What was I going to say? <laughs> it was a really good point, but I had to explain a role before I could move on to it. And now I'm just thinking about role You were saying about um, funding and the way funding was structured. Yeah, and and, and the fact that oh yeah, about we change ideology through through, through our through our, our through our practice. Yeah. yeah. So there's something there's something around um, within development. We're we're really in, we're interested in in looking at how. Um, it's not about having all of the answers and having a fixed kind of uh, model and then taking that to another part of the world mm-hmm. and that working there and then taking that to another part of the world and that working there because as we know from theatre everything is con- everything's contextualised so there's there's um, it has to be produced in and by and through those mm. localised contingent conditions yeah. it's peculiar and yeah. that, that's fine because yeah. life is in context are peculiar yeah yeah in the truest sense of absolutely it can't yeah. work everywhere yeah yeah so the work that we're trying to from the work that we're trying to create now uh, often using performance and creativity and and the principles of of creativity and and collaboration um it's bringing that into um experiences uh, along a, mig- a migration or different migratory routes yeah. um, so working with people who are asylum seekers and refugees and um, and working with working with people um, as humans and this mm. sense of like you, all of the same language inviting people to en- engage in a space and um, and listening to them and and allowing ourselves to be invited by them into engaging in a space and so there's there's this sense of um of truly coming back to what i was saying at the beginning it's like how do we make sense of of this situation together and not not having an idea of of the the end that we're trying to achieve and um and really writing the script together you know we're writing we're writing the process as as we as we're going and then that also is starting more and more. I mean, it's really at the at the edges, but it's more and more starting to be able to get funding that type of work. Absolutely, and um, yeah. 
but it's still it's so different to the way that the majority of NGOs and development kind of organisations are working and governments are working in and yeah well so it's about narrative isn't it you have to become adept at the way you frame the narrative for this kind of work so that you mm. can access and the, that is the reality of it for us though isn't it we have to access funds mm. of one kind or another in order to enable yeah the, this kind of work to happen yeah absolutely. and that's just a pragmatic yeah. reality yeah. Yeah, of yeah. working in research or arts yeah. or, or yeah. somewhere that kind mm. of sits between it the sits two them. and and there's something about the human the human experience you were asking before about how we document meridian and mm. one of the one of the ways is to to sit one of the performers would um would sit with the audience member afterwards on a sofa and and they would have a conversation Absolutely. and um and Annabi sometimes would write down some things that the audience member had said, yeah. and sometimes it was re recorded. I think at a certain. I wrote in a book and, and, and I washed my wrote, feet. Yeah, as well, yeah. So. <laughs> and there's something about that that uh, in this kind of tiny, immersive one-on-one, -on -one or one-on-four, <laughs> <laughs> micro three <laughs> micro performance. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, how, how, how you, not not only get yes we we did this performance to uh, 12 people today it's more like what's the the quality, the of, quality that? of that and exactly. how then how can we how can we work with the the quality of that to then enable this to happen in the future and then we're learning i or i've been learning through that kind of environment how to take that into the work that i'm doing now on yeah. a much larger yeah. scale and to start working at all all kind of levels and looking at policy change and yeah. um and allowing people who are who are creating policy around around migration to be able to really hear the case studies and the and not just the case studies because that sounds too well, formal insight, but it's like the it? stories yeah. and the lives and um of the experiences of exchange between between all types of people well i think one of the the, the things about this kind of work is actually it can generate um empathy and insight in a way that other forms potentially can't mm. and that's because everyone who becomes involved risks in a way and everyone has the possibility or the potential of mm. being transformed the artists the participants mm. and mm. The people who fund it engage in it yeah. employ it yeah take yeah. it all of those things so and, and that for me is i think what i very much felt in the work of yours that i have engaged with and it's one of the things that continues to interest me as an audience mm member mm -hmm. and uh, but continues to interest me as a maker and a researcher as well i think mm. well thank you very much for taking the time to come all the way down here uh to portsmouth i know we're a little bit out of the way as well so to oh, talk to it's me it's a real pleasure thank um, you for having me how can people where, what's the best way for them to kind of find out what you're up to and what you're doing and when they can come and see stuff is it facebook twitter yeah. website i am um, we have two websites so one with cross collaborations um which is more of my own personal practice yeah and then for more of the kind of um the environmental and social change work it's um with um, the arolas project so it's arolasproject.org yeah. and um and both have also facebook pages so yeah great so people can get online and yeah go and have a yeah, look yeah. and find and out please and do like i uh, i'm really love talking about this stuff so i'm really <laughs> interested i love <laughs> i love getting in contact with people and um, so yeah lovely well thank you very very much and um yeah uh i hope people log on and have a look and see what you're doing and just you know keep us informed about 
the next piece of work mm. as it comes up and available for us to engage with. Great. Thank you. Thank you. As promised, I was going to share my letter um, from post, present, future with you. It's dated the 2nd of the 4th, 2011, and this is what I wrote. Dear Joanna, you are 32, sat at an old writing table in the BAC London. You have had an amazing afternoon of one-on-one experiences. You are alone as ever, because Nigel is at work in Cambridge, along with all the cats. You have just become a doctor and are at the start, out of limbo, but right at the start. You're teaching, making work and researching. You want a baby really badly and are thinking about how to go about making your body a home. I have some advice for you now. Stop waiting and start living. You laid in a coffin today and thought about your life. Stop waiting, start living. Love too much, laugh too much, and smile too much. Be yourself, be good to yourself, and be good to those who you love. Remember to laugh, remember to love, remember to cry. I hope that old me is finding present me happy and full up. All good things, Joanna. I hope you found that episode interesting and enjoyable. Uh, As usual, I would really love to hear from you, your thoughts and feedbacks, comments, uh, whatever that might be and wherever you might be. I really appreciate all of the emails and all of the contact that I've had from people listening so far. And I wanted to give a big shout out to Vicky in Maryland, to Emma here in the UK, Laurie and Bridget who are in Australia and Andrew in New York. Things have been a little hectic here in the world of Tate but I will be reaching out and responding to all of you who've been in touch over the next couple of weeks. Do subscribe, as there's going to be lots of exciting things in the pipeline for 2017, and you really don't want to miss it. And as usual, please keep sharing. Share with anyone you think might find this interesting, useful, or just enjoyable. So finally, I'd like to wish you all a really happy new year. And I hope that 2017 will bring you joy and prosperity and be fruitful for you. So until February, ciao.